Welcome to the ForexWarrior.com podcast, where it's all Forex, all the time. The latest and hottest topics in the world of currency trading, right here at your fingertips. Live Forex trading, psychology, money management, chart setups, news events, automated trading, and expert trading interviews. Plus, we review brokerages from around the world. From beginner to advanced, there is something for everyone. Are you ready for a change? Do you have what it takes to be a Forex warrior? Learn how to live the Forex lifestyle. With over 13 years in the Forex markets and connections around the globe, here is your host, Dr. Jason Gospodarek. Greetings, fellow traders, and welcome to the Forex Warrior Podcast, episode number 17. Thanks for taking time again this week to listen. I promise that this episode is going to have some great information for you. If my guess is correct, most people listening to this podcast won't know all the things I'm going to cover. There will be a few people that this is sort of old news, but I think that it's really important to at least get a good baseline of understanding about our topic today, which is this how to choose the best forex brokerage for your trading talking about forex brokers is something that i can do for hours and hours and hours and i've probably done it for hundreds of hours with all the live streams i've done and the videos i've made in the past and all the hundreds if not thousands of traders i've talked to about where they should set up an account what the pros and cons are of different account types so i thought let's put together just a real quick episode here to give you a little overview about how you can choose the best forex brokerage for your own trading so here are some of what i feel are the most important points when you're looking at a broker this doesn't cover everything by any means but it's just sort of my off the top of my head list the things that I like to bring up for people, especially those who are newer, who are trying to learn, and even some things that uh, might be relevant to the more experienced trader. So number one, regulatory compliance. If you've been around the market for a while, you might have heard there's regulations in the country of Cyprus. We have a regulating body in Great Britain. We have a different one in Germany, a different one in the US, a different one in Australia and Canada, and the list goes on. In Cyprus, they call it the CISEC. In Great Britain, it's called the FSA. Germany, it's called the BAFIN or B-A-F-I-N. Here in the USA, we have the CFTC and the NFA. Also, the SEC can come into play. But here's the point. Brokers that are regulated and licensed, these brokers have paid fees. They've agreed to checks and balances. They have oversight and sometimes even protection from some of the countries that are regulating them. Now, the brokers that I use the ones that I personally trade with right now on my own personal trading account are not regulated brokers. And I'm gonna tell you why I do this in a moment. Some of the traders that I work with though, some of the investing groups and clubs and that type of thing, they use regulated brokers out in Europe that are awesome. But a lot of smaller retail traders don't qualify to trade with these big institutional brokers that give these great pricing fee structures. So bear with me for a little bit and I'm gonna give you a quick summary. Now this is probably the biggest elephant in the room. If you're a USA resident or you wanna trade with a USA broker, there's only a couple around. There's Forex.com, which is owned by Gain Capital and Oanda, O-A-N-D-A. Those are the two brokers that are left because what happened is if you've been around for a while, you've seen this happen and you probably uh, rolled your eyes just like I did. Little by little by little, they kept raising the minimums and incorporating more and more rules and more structure that pushed out the smaller brokerages. So here we have Forex.com and Gain Capital and Oanda. And if you trade as a U.S. resident, now I'm going to get to the rest of the world here in a minute and other countries, but for those of you listening here in the U.S., which is where I'm located right now, 
we have to follow the FIFO rule. FIFO stands for first in, first out. That means that you have to close trades in the order they were opened. Just personally, because this is my podcast that I'm running, I think this is the stupidest rule I've ever heard of. Basically, if you put on 10 trades, say you scale into the Euro Aussie trade, for example. Say you're going to buy the Euro Aussie and you start scaling in. You maybe put on a one lot order, let's just say. Then you add a 0.8 and a 0.5 and a 0.3 and you sort of scale into this trade as it's going. You have to close them in the order that they were placed or it doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. It's just, to me, it's the most pointless rule. So FIFO, first in, first out, you have to follow it if you trade with a U.S. broker. Also, there's no hedging. Now, I am not a big fan of hedging. I will do what I call a pseudo hedge. For example, if I'm buying the euro versus the U.S. dollar and I'm not quite sure if it's going to be working out, maybe I'm partway through a trade or have a few orders open, I might sell the euro versus the pound or the euro Aussie and sort of do this pseudo hedge or staggered hedge where I'm not just selling and buying on the same pair, but I'm buying the euro on one and selling it on the other to sort of get a little bit more protection that way. Hedging, in my opinion, doesn't have a lot of really pull or importance in my own trading plan. Hedging involves buying a currency pair, let's say it falls and goes against you, and then you start selling it, hoping to make some profits as it goes down. And then when it goes back up again, you can maybe get profits when it goes up, but you're always stuck in this middle area and you have to factor in your spread or commission and the cost of trading. And a lot of times you're left with this sort of chunky loss or drawdown in your account that's hard to work your way out of. Now, some traders and expert advisors and robots and things trade a lot with hedging, but I just don't get into it too much. So again, in the USA, FIFO rule, no hedging, and also what I'd like to call pretty low leverage, 20 to 1, 50 to 1, that kind of thing. Now, Europe has new ESMA laws. Now, when I say new, I'm talking months behind. So you might be listening to this podcast in 2020, I don't know. But right now, it's August 16th, 2018. And back, I think it was in March or April, the European Securities Market Authority regulations kicked in. And they're starting to limit leverage. I believe it's to 30 to 1. They're also, in a way, sort of outlawing binary options. They're also outlawing brokers who provide bonuses or promotional plans to open up an account. And also, they're including negative balance protection. So if you've been around long enough, you might remember the good old Euro Swiss and how the Swiss bank had it pegged, I believe it was 1.2000. And the country of Switzerland or their government or their banking structure basically said, we're not going to allow the Euro Swiss to go beneath 1.2000. And of course, every time the market wanted to push it down, they'd instill a whole bunch of currency into the market to push it back up. And this went on for months and months. And eventually, they just couldn't do it. They were spending billions and billions of dollars and the government released the peg, and the Euro Swiss fell. And if you've been around, you know what I'm talking about, but I think it was a 1,000 pips in a minute or a few seconds, and it fell, I think, 1,500 pips or more. It could even be more than that. I remember trading the pair up to that time, but I wasn't in it during that. But the point is, without negative balance protection, a lot of these brokers went bankrupt, and you may remember some of them. They actually had a fold because the trades went so negative so fast, and there was no negative balance protection that the brokers actually went under. Now, when you sign up for accounts in different countries, some of them, including the U.S., they'll have you sign that you can lose more than you put in. For the years I've been trading Forex, you know, pushing 14, 15 years now, the rule of thumb is you can't lose more than what you put in your account. You put in $1,000 and you max that baby out, max leverage, 1,000 to 1, whatever you're trading, and you can never go beneath zero. But if there's a big move like that, you actually could. So now there's negative balance protection and different rules that are limiting and also helping in a way 
some of the European traders. Now, the guru sort of mentors and teachers will say, look, you really don't need to use leverage of 100 to 1 or 500 to 1 anyway. That's just too big. You should be aiming for half percent a trade or a quarter percent a trade or 2% a week or something like that. But the average retail trader with a smaller account, $500, $1,000, even five dollars or $10,000, that small of a trade size is hard to work with and have that small of a goal over time. So most people want to go a little bit bigger starting out. And the small traders are basically getting sort of pushed out in a way. And what I mean by that is, let's say you have $500 and you can only trade 30 to one. I mean, you can only control a tiny little lot size with that account before you get a margin call. So there are more rules coming across the world, but these again are regulated brokers in different countries. So number one, if you're choosing a Forex brokerage, make sure you look at who regulates it, what country it's regulated by, what government it's regulated by, how everything works there. And if you're not, then we move on to the next questions because some people don't use regulated brokers like myself. Next thing to look at when you're trying to choose an ideal Forex brokerage is your initial deposit minimum. There's different account types with most brokers. They have micro, mini account, standard account. Some have what they call VIP or premium accounts. There's actually even fixed spread accounts for people who are really into trading news events when the spreads or the commissions will dramatically increase the minute or so before and a few minutes after a news release, you can get fixed spread accounts so that you don't have any of that fluctuation during news events. The catch is that the spread on the price to trade the rest of the time is generally quite a bit higher than a more premium account size. So basically in a nutshell, the more money you have to put into an account to get to the highest or even second highest level of account that that broker has, the less cost to trade you're gonna have. Next, you wanna look at currency pairs offered. You wanna have a good robust selection. Now, some of you might only trade two or three pairs, some might trade six or seven, but there are dozens and dozens and dozens of currency pairs and exotic pairs, that type of thing. There's also metals like gold and silver. You can trade futures, you can trade some stocks through MetaTrader 4, MetaTrader 5, for example. I only trade generally six to seven, maybe eight different currency pairs and some gold and silver, but I have my two or three or four favorites. But you wanna make sure that the pair that you wanna trade or the pair that you're trying to learn how to trade is offered by the broker you're looking for. Next, we have the trading platform. The sort of gold standard in the Forex market has been MT4, MetaTrader 4 for years. MetaTrader 5 is now out, a lot of traders use that. I'm still using MetaTrader 4. There's a lot of web-based trading platforms that some of the brokers use that some people like. They, they used to have a good one on FXCM here and it lets you sort of shrink the charts up and move things around. You can also subscribe and pay for your own charting platform. And there's a whole host of very, very good free ones online as well. And of course you wanna make sure that they have demo accounts so you can practice and learn how to use the platform before you get started with real money. The next thing to look at is the cost of trading. Anytime you look for a new broker, you automatically wanna go check out the spreads on your favorite pairs. Generally, the Euro versus the USD is the lowest cost, cheapest pair to trade. You wanna check out the spread on that, but then also check on some of the more pseudo exotic pairs like the Euro versus the Aussie or the Pound Swiss, that type of thing. Those aren't real exotic, but the spreads will be a lot higher there. I, for one, like trading the Euro Aussie. So if I had a very high Euro Aussie spread, that wouldn't be a broker for me. If you have an ECN account where the spreads are very small or even zero, then you wanna look at what commissions are charged. Most brokers charge a commission for opening and closing or what we call a round turn trade. It can be charged per lot or per 10 lots. And you're also charged what's called the swap rate. If you've never heard of swap rates, this is important. The swap 
is basically the interest because you have to remember, you're not trading a stock here. You're actually trading a pair of currencies. So one currency versus the other. So there's gonna be an interest rate differential. Now, the interest rate differential that you're either charged to hold the trades over a day or that you're paid to hold that over the course of a day or more are really generally skewed towards making the broker's money. For example, if you're trading the Australian dollar versus the US dollar and you hold that trade past the hour, here in central time in the US, it's right at 4 p.m. central where the swap rate is charged. And with the Aussie versus the US dollar, you should make money because the Australian interest rate's a lot higher. Some brokers will pay a, a tiny bit for example, if you have a one standard lot, you might make $3 or $5. And some brokers, actually, it's minus a dollar. But you want to check out the swap rates. Wednesdays, 4 p.m. Central Time here in the U.S. It's different, obviously, everywhere in the world. Wednesdays are generally known as triple swap because currencies can be held Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And over the weekend, you know, Saturday and Sunday, when the markets aren't open, there's still interest being accrued on that currency pair. So I hope I'm not losing you here, but Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, you're charged normal swap rates. You might earn a profit. For example, the Euro versus the Aussie. If you're selling that pair, the Aussie's worth a lot more interest rate than the Euro, and generally you'll make money selling, just holding the pair. Now, of course, it's gonna be a small amount in comparison to the actual price movement of the currency pair, but, you're gonna make money selling the Euro Aussie every day at four o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. On Wednesday, it's triple. So you pay the swap or you earn the swap for Wednesday, and then they also include Saturdays and Sundays on a Wednesday. So Wednesday is known as triple swap. So basically, let's say you're looking to get in on a sell trade on the Euro versus the Australian dollar. You know that it's Wednesday at 3 p.m., and at 4 p.m., the swap rates are gonna come. Generally, the spreads will widen for about two to 15 minutes, depending on your broker. But if you can get paid for holding, let's say, one standard lot, let's say you make $9. On a Wednesday, it's triple, so you'll make $27. That can basically cover the cost of your spread and make that trade essentially free for you. Now, this is a more rare example. Most pairs don't pay you a lot of swap rate, but it's just something to look at. And it's something to know that when you're trading the foreign currencies, there's always an interest rate charged or credited every day. Then the other cost of trading is deposit and withdrawal fees. Does your broker charge you to wire money out? Do they charge for credit card or debit card deposits, withdrawals? You want to learn those things. Keep your cost of trading down to a minimum. Next on the list is customer service, a huge one, right? We want to make sure that the broker has good email support. Maybe they have a forum. Maybe they have support tickets, a phone line, maybe Skype or live chat. You want to check out the customer service because unfortunately, if you're trading long enough, you're going to need help. Maybe a deposit is held up and is taking longer or the platform freezes for 15 minutes when you're trying to close a trade and you know, you're going to need support sometime. You want to make sure that they're there. Next on my list is security of funds. I personally don't leave a lot of money in my accounts in unregulated brokerages because you have leverage of 100, 500, 1,000 to one. There's no need to have a lot of money there. So if I don't need a large account size to trade the lots that I wanna trade based on how much money I allocate to my trading, I don't keep it there. Why risk it? The odds of having your money stolen or lost is, are minuscule, but why risk it? So I don't keep a lot of money and when I make profits, I pull them out. If you trade with a regulated broker 
or you have larger account size. Say you're a money manager, you have over $100,000 or million dollars. You wanna make darn sure that your account is what we call segregated from the brokerage themselves, basically for your protection. So if you look through the print on a regulated broker's website, eventually you should read something that says segregated accounts. And that means that you're not actually wiring the money to the broker, it's actually moved in to a segregated bank account. And what this means for you is, let's say the broker has bad management and they go under, let's say they go bankrupt or they get sued or something like that. Your money isn't tied up in that broker's business, it's actually in a separate segregated bank account at an independent third-party bank. A segregated account is really important for everybody, but especially if you have a lot of money. And a lot to you, is it's all relative. A lot of money might be $100, might be a million dollars. I don't know, everybody's different, but make sure you check on that. If you're using a regulated broker, you should be looking for a segregated account. Next, the security of their website and of your data. Now, at minimum, when you go onto their website and you log in to your either, they call it a back office or your trading cabinet, you know, the part where you enter in your ID and your name and you upload files and you do deposits withdrawals, the minimum, when you look at your browser and you see the HTTP www, you want to have, a, have it say SSL, which stands for secure socket layer. That just means that their website's secure and your data's secure. I don't know of any brokers right now that don't have this, but it's just something to watch out for, especially if you're trying a newer brokerage that might be a little more sketchy. Make sure their website and all your data is secure. Next on my list is trading speed, accuracy, and market liquidity, otherwise known as overall execution of the trade or trading environment. And this includes slippage in the spread, includes gaps, delays, and fills of the trade that you're placing or closing. When you test out a broker, and most people that I've worked with, they'll test out a broker in a demo account just to make sure everything's the way they want it. And then they'll put in a small amount of money to see if the money gets wired or transferred in, however you're putting it in. And then they check out this stuff. So trading speed, the liquidity, the accuracy of the trade, the environment, the gaps, all that stuff is a lot different with a live account than it is with a demo account. So make sure when you're checking out a broker, you do your due diligence first, you try them out on demo, but you don't make a solid judgment call to move a lot of money out there, or really any sizable money, until you test it on a live account first. The next one's not that important, but a lot of brokers do free education on trading. They'll provide webinars, they'll provide videos, or sort of what they call a vault, where they'll have PDF files and things that you can use to learn to make yourself a better trader, or to possibly bring you just simply abreast of new knowledge that you didn't know was out there to begin with. So I like to look for a broker that gives some kind of education. I'm always willing and open to learn, but most of it is pretty basic stuff that a lot of us have seen before, but it's still nice to have that. I mean, that, that tells me that they're at least out there trying to make it work because we all know that most traders fail and they're trying to make people more educated before they sort of quote unquote gamble their money in the markets. I only have two more left on my list and one is to be wary of brokerage reviews on websites. So there are many forums out there. We have forexpeacearmy.com, we have babypips.com, forexfactory.com, and there's so many out there. I mean, there's probably 30 or 40 sites that I do check from time to time in a given week or two. Some of the reviews are real. Most of what I, now this is just my opinion. I'm sure it's not most, but I, I always feel like most of the reviews are either fake or they're paid for 
or they're misleading to drive referrals. People who refer traders to brokers, they're either called affiliates or they're called IBs or introducing brokers, and they make commissions and fees off of people's trading. So a lot of these reviews are either slandering a broker so that another broker looks better, or they can simply be bought and paid for, or there are people who work at the company. Now, I'm not saying there aren't true ones in there, but you wanna just be very wary of them. Most of the reviews that I see are traders who are pissed off because they don't know what they're doing and they lose their ass trading. And then they complain that, oh, I didn't get the right fill and oh, I was scammed, my stop, you know, didn't get triggered. And, you know, some of it's true, but most people just don't know how to trade and they're pissed and they want to make a bad review. So just be very wary of the brokerage reviews. Some of the brokers that I use have great reviews and some have just terrible reviews. And I've had nothing but smooth sailing with with the ones that I trade with. By the way, if you want to know who I use to trade, just shoot me an email, jason at theforexwarrior.com. Lastly, I always avoid bonus schemes and promotions. A lot of the brokers, especially the unregulated ones, because as I mentioned earlier with the new rules out in Europe, they're basically banning these bonuses and promotions. But what would happen is this. Um, some brokers will have you sort of spin a wheel for a free prize when you open up an account or they'll give you, they'll match your deposit. A deposit match bonus is a pretty common one up to say $5,000. So if you put in $5,000, they'll match it another 5,000. So you have $10,000 in your account, but the fine print is just brutal. The fine print will usually say that 5,000 they gave you is not able to be withdrawn unless you trade a certain number of lots, which is just crazy high. And most normal people wouldn't even get close to releasing that money. Basically what they're doing is increasing your leverage. They're doubling your account size, therefore doubling your margin and doubling your risk, hoping that you'll lose your money. Other promotions might be, uh, let's say a standard account is $2,000 deposit, but the VIP account is 10,000. They'll let you upgrade to a VIP account for only a $2,000 deposit. Just as an example, to get lower pricing, better spreads, that type of thing. But there's usually some type of a catch. They'll have rescue bonuses or different promotions. The fine print, though, is what always catching people off guard. So what I do is most brokers are worth their weight. They'll have an option. Do you want this, this promotion or this bonus or do you want to choose none? I just choose none because trading's hard enough, right? I mean, if you can trade, you don't need all this fancy stuff. But if you have to figure out... Well, I have $10,000 on my account, but I can only go down to the loss down to 5,001 because when if it goes under 5,000, then it all closes automatically because this 5,000 is fake money. And, you know, I don't like to play the game. So I always recommend and always personally avoid bonus schemes and promotions. So there you have some of my most basic but yet most important reasons to choose a Forex brokerage that's the best for your trading. We look at regulatory compliance initial deposits, what they offer for currency pairs or metals, for example. We call them trading instruments, the trading platform, the cost of trading, their customer service, how secure your funds are, how secure their website and your data is, and the trading environment or execution, like the trading speed. And also, are they going to give you some education for free? And then a couple tips at the end, just be wary of brokerage reviews know that most of them, at least in my opinion, are fake or paid for or misleading to drive affiliate commissions to those people referring other people to trade. And last but not least, always avoid bonus schemes and promotions. Generally, they're nothing but trouble in the end. 
So that's all I have for you for this week, episode number 17. My name is Jason, and you're listening to the ForexWarrior.com trading podcast. Thanks a lot for letting me share a little bit of your time and your week. Make it a great rest of the week and have a great trading day. Take care, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the ForexWarrior.com podcast. Subscribe for free in iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and on many more sites all over the web. If you know someone who might enjoy being a guest on a future podcast interview, or if you have something you would like to hear as a hot topic, send an email to jason at theforexwarrior.com. Forex trading involves risk, so be sure to read the disclaimer on our site. Check out the podcast and resource pages for show notes and links covered in this episode. For the hottest merchandise in the biz, and to learn more about being a true Forex warrior, visit theforexwarrior.com. <laughs>